You're listening to. Whoa! Welcome back to Books and Bobo, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. My name is Mervyn Yue. And my name is Rira Yu. And it is... Happy Halloween, Rira. Did you have a good Halloween? I did. I like. I went to a friend's house and they live in a neighborhood where there's a lot of Halloween traffic. Like and little kids? Little kids to like teenagers. Um. And it, it, like we needed three sets of couples because like there were so many trick-or-treaters like while one couple would go and like buy more candy while like the other two would like pass out candy <laughs> that just sounds stressful no it was, it was cute that sounds like work i don't want like that my house is like in a dark street no mm-hmm. kids ever come and it's awesome i don't know i i like <laughs> seeing trick-or-treaters because it it's nostalgic because uh back when i was a kid there was like like trick-or-treat parties you would go with like your schoolmates and Uh, i feel like kids don't really do that anymore well now it's like group like led excursions i feel like yeah you have like a horde of kids oh that's like literally what happened it was just like led by a chaperone or something like um the kids won't walk around the neighborhood like their parents would drive them to like other neighborhoods where there's a lot of halloween traffic so that's why that's why there was like over like a hundred kids being like trick-or-treat and i'm like you're so cute but we have to pay money for these candies that we're giving you (laughs) you're in like a good neighborhood then it, it's my friend's neighborhood it's oh. not my neighborhood i live in a pretty desolate neighborhood yeah i've you know you've been yeah i guess that's the um the downside of living in a nice neighborhood well lit with families is you become like literally like dragooned into participating in halloween because if you don't your neighbors will not like you anymore no that's not true you like they're they're just gonna be disappointed. I mean, if you don't put Christmas lights on, then you're in trouble. Because I feel like with those suburban houses, if you don't have like Christmas lights on, you kind of look your house kind of looks sad and kind of brings down the neighborhood mood. Oh, I'm saying this because I grew up in like a really suburban town in Georgia. So I feel like that's just I don't know social pressure social pressure to conform to holidays um as long as they're putting the lights after thanksgiving after thanksgiving it's fine if if any christmas lights are up i'm okay with christmas lights just don't put like like reindeers or snowmen <laughs> outside in your front yard because christmas lights are pretty like all yeah. year round really but my friends have been literally emailing me dming me and like po- tagging me on facebook posts of all the christmas stuff they see just because they know that like it drives me crazy yeah yeah, it's your pet peeve (laughs) it's just you know like there's there's a whole holiday in between halloween and christmas i remember like growing up because my parents didn't know what thanksgiving was uh we would just eat like hot wings or like korean fried chicken and that was our thanksgiving dinner my family well we went to another family who for like we went to our first thanksgiving dinner at another family friend's place because they wanted to show off the new house and they made this turkey this big meal and my mom and dad were there and they were like we can do this we can do this better 
competition, right? Yeah. I mean, now my family is super American, and mm. they do the whole like Thanksgiving dinner party uh, with like uh, the whole like table setup with tablecloths and candles and inviting people over. And this happened after I went to college, so <laughs> like. Like for me, I was like, "Oh, Thanksgiving has never been a holiday that we celebrated." Right. And then my mom got really mad one year because I said, "Oh, I'm going to spend Thanksgiving with uh, Dan's family mm-hmm. because they're really big on Thanksgiving." And my mom was just like, "But we have Thanksgiving dinner with like these two other families." And I'm like, "When did this happen? Like, when did you become like?" <laughs> like when did you conform to this holiday? <laughs> See, we were the opposite. I feel like we don't do Thanksgiving dinner as much anymore, mainly because my parents are out of the country. Well, yeah. And your family, what's like the the Asian thing, the Asian addition to Asian addition? My family, uh, we have a couple of Korean side dishes for Thanksgiving. Like we have chapche, which is like uh like these clear noodles mm. that you kind of fry. Um, we have bulgogi, um, and then like. My parents get really upset that when whenever I can't make it to Thanksgiving now, like now that I'm an adult, because yeah. I I usually bring like two casserole dishes and <laughs> they get really upset. They're like, because like last year I went to Thanksgiving dinner and I didn't bring, I didn't cook anything. Oh. I just came uh, with like a bottle of wine, mm-hmm. and my parents were like, "Where's the food? Why didn't you cook it?" And I was <laughs> like. It's like I was busy. I don't have time to yeah. to cook like two different dishes, and they were very disappointed. So. I love how Asian families who um, adopt the tradition of Thanksgiving dinner also adopt the tradition of getting the family fights. Oh yeah, during all the time, which is why it is it's super awkward because no one can leave the table. You're yeah. like chained up, and it's just like oh man, I just if someone could just pick up kimchi and just like slap it across someone's face that would make things a little bit more entertaining but it's just really awkward when Uh, you see people just kind of like politely uh like throwing insults yeah yeah in a really passive aggressive way this is books and boba i know book club podcast (laughs) about thanksgiving and awkward asian family dinners um As (laughs) As <laughs> like um, it is the end. Uh, well, October is over. It's the beginning of November. Yes, and people are probably wondering where our book discussion episode is. Well, so this book discussion um, of our October book club book, which is Dear America, um, by Jose Antonio Vargas. Uh, we're doing this in conjunction with this Filipino American Life, another podcast, and because of the World Series and other factors. Um, we're recording that a little bit later, but since we want to get an episode to you at our normal like first week of the month time period, um, we're going to do a check-in on the latest book news, book deals, and you know, um, in Asian American publishing, uh, Rira has put together her amazing list um, that I should really help out with, but I don't. It's okay. I mean, like, I sent you the email at what, like, 2.30 in the morning? That's true. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was procrastinating. <laughs> I was really into this Netflix series. And when I checked the time, I was like, oh, crap. What are you watching? Um, it, was, it was called Love and Sex Around the World. Okay. It's a new series on Netflix, and it's a documentary series. And okay. I'm really into documentaries. <laughs> so I, like, I, like, watched, like, the first three episodes. And I was Have like, you seen American oh, no. Vandal? 
it's my favorite show. It got canceled. I know. I I felt so betrayed. I was like, (laughs) how dare you? It's the best thing on Netflix. Like, I like it more than, um, like, Make Your Murderer Mm. and, like, uh, like House of Cards. Like, it's flagship series on Netflix. I, I liked it better than those so i was really upset i feel like you're like into mockumentary stuff i love mockumentaries yeah and documentaries <laughs> yeah but that's why i sent this list to you at like 2 30 in the morning <laughs> yeah so for those of you who still haven't had the chance to read the book you still got another week before we uh, drop our discussion so you still have time it's not a very long book it's only about like 200 pages ish yeah and like it's a very small book too mm-hmm. so uh the font is pretty big i finished it in like four hours yeah i'm listening to the audiobook and it's about a five hour like total runtime yeah and i'm re- listening to it at 2x speed so it's going oh you haven't finished it i have not finished it. oh my gosh what would have happened if like well here's my thing i'm very deadline focused so i work backwards from the deadline okay <laughs> well i can't really uh you know, scold you on that because I sent this list at two thirty in the morning, the, the day of right. recording this. Um, but well, since we're already in November, re- what are we reading for the month of November? We are reading Joe Ide's IQ, and I'm really excited for it because uh, Joe Ide's series has always like been listed on like numerous. Uh, like end of the year book, like best books of blah blah blah, uh-huh. and uh, I remember when Righteous was nominated for a bunch of things, and I know uh, the latest book is called Wrecked, and it got really good reviews as well. So, so is this um is this part of a series? Or? Yeah, it's the first book in a series. Okay, um, and it's mystery. Like you have like kind of a a modern day Sherlock. That's what has been pitched to me. So I'm really excited. I love detective novels and uh, it's good to go back into a genre book. Yeah. It's been a while since we've done like a a crime thriller too. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, That's cool. So the book is IQ uh, and it's been out for a while, right? So you should be able to get it Yeah, it's been a number of years. Yeah, it's definitely out on paperback. pretty accessible. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to um, picking it up and reading it. Uh, But without further ado, um, and before we get on to any more tangents. Sorry. um, Let's move on to uh, the latest book deals. Random House acquired Lisa Yee's Maisie Chen's Diabolical Plot to Rule the World. The book follows an 11-year-old Maisie Chen who moves from Hollywood to Minnesota where her grandfather's health is failing. When someone paints a racial slur on the site of the Golden Palace, which has been in her family for almost 100 years, Maisie is determined to find out who's behind it and why. Publication is slated for fall 2021, and an untitled second book is set for fall 2022. Ooh, another restaurant book. <laughs> uh, it's, I feel like this is on Random House, so it's probably like middle grade or, or kids. Oh, yeah. Um, speaking of Random House, I'm just going to say there's a lot of Random House book deals mm-hmm. for this uh, this month's list. I don't know why, but they've been on a roll yeah. with Asian American authors. So I mean, you'll be hearing a lot of Random House deals. I don't know if it's connected episode. to Asian August, but it's always good to have more children, more diverse children's literature, right? More kid lit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, speaking of kid lit, uh, the next deal is Roaring Brook bought world rights to Lost by Richard Ho. Uh, the picture book tells the story of a package and its bumpy journey from sender to recipient. Jessica Lanon will illustrate the book, which is slated for fall 2020. When will they get to the part with the smoke monster and the hatches? 
Wait, what? The smoke monster. What smoke monster? And the others? Lost. Oh, I've never seen Lost. <laughs> All references just <laughs> flew past my head. This is the children's version. Of our, <laughs> I'm, it's a terrible joke. Sorry. Um, Random House... Uh, another Random House deal. Uh, Random House Graphic acquired two middle grade graphic novels by Remina Yi. The first book, The Seance Tea Party, features Laura, a girl who's facing growing up. But when she meets a neighborhood ghost, the choices Laura has to make about facing the future grow more difficult. Publication is scheduled for 2020. Sounds like a goosebump story. I know. Love it. Hmm. Uh, next up is Little Simon bought world rights to Selena Yoon's new novelty series, Wag My Tail, which invites readers to wag different animals' tails using a simple, sturdy pull tap. The first title, Halloween Kitty, is slated for summer 2019, followed by Easter Bunny and Christmas Kitty. Christmas Kitty? You know, whenever I've had these books with little pull tabs, they would last like a month at most. I never really had those types of books. I had a really good, uh, I had one that was uh, Care Bears themed. And that book is hanging on by a thread. It's like been taped back together by my parents. Mm -hmm. Uh, I actually don't know where it is right now. I'm pretty sure it's been thrown away. My parents gave me a lot of uh, like chapter books and nonfiction books when I was younger. So uh, one of the first English language books that my father bought me was like this children's encyclopedia and i had all those too I yeah had like a dictionary and, and like, like the really yeah. funny thing is like they're not like narrative focused right they're it's not. just like random chapters on like oh. on like astrology and stuff like that so i was like so that was like one of the first books i read as a kid so i i don't have a lot of picture book experience i didn't read dr seuss until i was like in like really? what in like college i had all the um like the disney picture books the ones that come with the the read along tape. Oh, yeah, that was that was too fancy for my family. Oh. Yeah, the only times I uh, had Disney things was when they bought like the VHS tapes. That was like my uh. only form of entertainment, like <laughs> growing up. Which is why I don't really get a lot of uh, references. Nostalgia. I remember we talked about this in in a different episode about my lack of childhood <laughs> childhood <laughs> pop culture references. Um, mm. Well, moving on, Random House Graphic bought Trung Lee Wen's YA graphic novel, The Magic Fish. The book is an intergenerational story about an immigrant mother and her son who is trying to find the best way to come out to his parents. Through telling each other fairy tales, they're able to find common ground. Publication is scheduled for 2020. Now, this is the same Trung Lee that's Trungles on Twitter, Yeah, right? Trungles. Yeah. Um, you should follow them. Um, Harper Collins acquired world rights to author-illustrator Ruth Chan's The Alpacatory, uh, which follows a factory of alpacas who come to the rescue to help with new experiences. Publication is scheduled for summer 2020, followed by an untitled second book. Oh my god, I love alpacas. They're so cute. Aren't they just like, you know, weirder llamas? Yeah, but they're fluffier. <laughs> and they make really cute, really uh, cute plushies. I don't mm. think I've seen a llama plushie or a camel plushie they're just not animals that they're you make into plushies they're not as cute as a plushie yeah because exactly. alpacas have like the flat face right yeah yeah they're really cute uh carl rhoda bought jenny Liu's untitled ya novel about 19 year old na who has grown up in rural china while her parents lived and worked in the city when her younger brother the favorite child who moved to the city with her parents dies unexpectedly 
Uh, she sets out to learn what happened to him and uncovers more family secrets than she bargained for. Publication is planned for fall 2020. That's interesting. I feel like this book has the potential to touch on a couple like things that you don't really learn about in your American, average American um, education, especially with like the modern modernization of China and like migrant workers. And also pretty sure it's going to touch on the one child rule because. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. That's cool. Um, Houghton. 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 Like, the stress is on the first syllable. You know, I've grown up saying Houghton, and I'm not about to change, you know. I actually looked up how to pronounce this publishing <laughs> house, so you better damn well right. pronounce it correctly. Houghton Mifflin Harcourt acquired Jennifer Lee Schott's new middle grade series, American Dog, a collection of adventure-filled standalone novels. Each book features a rescued dog discovering a new leash on life through friendship. Is that was that pun you or the copy? No, no it was the copy. Okay, good, good. Um, Give me some credit. A new Marvin. leash on life through friendship, loyalty, and the joy of finding a forever home. The series launches with the first two books in spring 2020, with the next to follow in fall 2020. And next up, we have another Random House graphic deal. Uh, they bought two graphic novels for young readers by Mika Song, uh, Donut, Donut Feed the Squirrels, ah, I get it, and a sequel. Uh, both books tell the story of Norma and Belly, two squirrels whose only sustenance come from a- acorns, until a donut truck moves to their park and they plan a heist to try out this new exciting food. Publication is scheduled to begin in 2020. Isn't that just a nut job? Is this like the donut job? Do do not feed the squirrels. That's a really good title. You know, these pun jokes only work when they come out the mouths of a child. Um, when we say it, it's not as cute. Yeah, it <laughs> um, Kokola bought world rights to religion scholar and activist Simranjit Singh's picture book biography on Falja Singh, who set the record as the world's oldest marathon runner at the age of 100. Bahinder Kaur will illustrate the book, which also features a foreword by Falja Singh. I think it's Falja Singh because Fa- it's, it's Indian. Uh-huh. So I think it's book Baljinder Kaur. Baljinder Kaur and uh, Fajra Singh. Are you so, sure it's not Baljinder? What? Is it Baljinder? I'm like Someone pronouncing this like 10 different ways. I'm I so know, sorry. I know. We're um, so sorry. We need to get better <laughs> at like pronouncing like Indian names. Like I I'm, I really apologize. I'll, I'll try harder. <laughs> Explain to us the J's. We just need someone to <laughs> comment on the podcast and just kind of tweet educate at us, us. At Books and Boba or just like send us like a voice memo or something. But uh, just so you know, we do try. <laughs> um, publication is planned for summer 2020. Uh, Versify bought world rights to Darshana Kiani's debut picture book, How to Wear a Sari, illustrated by Joanne Liu Viratov. The picture book introduces a peppy girl who desperately wants to be noticed by her family and decides the best way to do this is to teach herself to wear a sari, just like the grown-ups. Publication is set for fall 2020. Cool. And in a three-book deal, Harlequin Desire picked up J.C. Lee's untitled debut romance series featuring a powerful Korean-American family. The first book follows a no-nonsense HR director who enters a marriage of convenience with the up-and-coming swoon-worthy CEO of her company in order for her to gain custody of her orphan niece and for him to avoid an arranged marriage. Oh my god, I this love this. I need K-drama. it. I need it. This is a K-drama. 
This is a K-drama plot. J.C. Lee knows what I want. (laughs) And that's it for a book deal. So we're going to move on to news. Um, According to Hollywood Report, I'm still like, there, it's, uh, are are we at the point now? It's, I I mean, have romance novels always been K-drama though, you know? I mean, romance novels, there is a great deal of soap. Yeah. You know, so I'm I'm all for it. It's just the specificity of like the HR director and her like I I bet he's like an aloof seal too, maybe. Or like a man child. A man child. Who needs to like grow up or I don't know. I don't know. Either way, I'm excited for it. I want it. Um okay, news. Uh, here are the latest news from the world of Asian American literature. According to The Hollywood Reporter, the Gotham Group and Cherry Entertainment have teamed up to option Samira Ahmed's upcoming YA novel, Internment. Set to be published on March 19th, Internment follows Layla Amin, a Muslim teenager whose life is transformed when a new executive order forces her and her family into internment camps. For the time being, Gotham and Cherry are aiming for a film adaptation, but a limited series is possible. So remember that really racist YA novel that came out like maybe a year and a half ago about like the the continent no it wasn't the continent it was a it was about muslims in internment camps but it was written by a white author and i thought this was this wasn't that one no 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 like this is i would say this is kind of a response to to that terrible book okay so like it was just kind of like okay like a, a white author who hasn't uh, taken the time to do her research and also like doesn't really know um, how to write write that experience. Uh. Um, you know, it's kind of like okay, well, like I'm Muslim, so I'm going to write it. So I think Samira Ahmed really stepped up to uh, create create that narrative in a more authentic way. Yeah, I wonder. Like, it'll be interesting to see because I haven't I haven't read the book or heard anything about it. But I'm sure she probably did her research on the Japanese internment oh, during yeah. World War Two, and all the like the political machinations behind that, and obviously just like a response to, you know, the current times. Oh yeah. Um, but it's interesting um, these like socially focused um, stories coming out in the YA sphere because of, oh did you catch um, the, the hate, hate you, you give? give? No, I haven't watched it mm. yet. But yeah. yeah, like it's really nice that. That change, that mess, <clears throat> that change, that message is coming from books, and then th- the books are being picked up for movies. Yeah. So it it really kind of starts on the page, really. Yeah, I mean Hollywood, I feel like is desperate for new ideas and picking up stories from books. Like makes sense in two ways, right? It makes sense in terms of like these are stories that probably haven't been made in films before and these are stories if they're popular enough with a built-in fan base that'll help you market it right so because we've seen you know we've seen success with crazy rich asians with the hunger games with like pretty much every ya series that gets made into a movie i mean these days you, you when you write a book you should also have a script handy probably i don't know um i mean like before the book even gets published it gets optioned if you have a really good uh um, agent for that uh speaking of books being made into movies this isn't on our list because uh i checked the news like early this morning so it's breaking <laughs> it's not breaking, breaking i feel news. like i'm catching up to old news okay. sorry uh but it's an it's a no no breaking news 
Is there like a slow version of that? Because that's probably like more apt. Old news. Old news. So this is an update on the Kiss Quotient adaptation that's happening. So Pilgrim Media Group, I think that's the name of the company that bought that optioned the book. They got Lionsgate. To pick okay. up the development of uh, the book, so it's getting developed into a movie right now. So we have moved on to the second stage of uh, development and production, and I'm really excited for it to be made into a movie. So I, someone's writing. Someone's writing the script. Yeah, someone's writing the script. Although they didn't announce who will be the screenwriter. Hmm. But it will probably take about like two years at the very least to get this That's made. True. Yeah, I've heard a lot about the Kiss Quotient, um, both mainly from, from me, from you, from <laughs> our friend from Jess, uh, from like I mean, it blew up in like the whole like lit community like a couple months ago when it came out. Yeah, the sequel's coming out really soon too, yeah. so it it will be like good timing, I guess. Yeah. And again, it's 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 great that we're having. These books kind of bring up experiences that aren't really, you know, not that they're not seen in films that much, but they're usually portrayed pretty, like, poorly. Yeah, it's good to see some depth to the characters and their experiences. Yeah. Um, Well, it's the end of the year, so that means a lot of awards are being announced right now. Yeah, or they're starting to pick people for the preliminary rounds. Right. So Publishers Weekly announced their Best Books of 2018 um, nominees, or these are the winners? Uh, these, are, these aren't really awards. Like Publisher Weekly comes out with like their list of best, best books of okay. the year. So it's not really like an official award. Right. So here are the highlights, right? Yeah. Here are like the books that got recognized by so, this publication. <laughs> middle grade, we have Aisha Saeed's. Amal Unbound and Kelly Yang's front desk I actually gifted that book to my niece. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's a really appropriate gift for <laughs> for uh, smaller kids, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for YA, we have Adib Karam's the um, Adib Karam's Darius the Great is not okay. I've heard great things about this book. I actually have an arc sitting on my shelf, and I haven't read it yet. I I will get on that. Uh, Jen Wang's The Prince and the Dressmaker. And uh, a thousand beginnings and endings, and an anthology uh, edited by Ellen O and Elsie Chapman. Anthology is one of those words I can't seem to say in a sentence. Anthology, yeah, it's, like you know. ever. <laughs> um, and Ellen O, of course, is oh, both both are part of the uh, we need more diverse books movement, right? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, in adult fiction, we have. I'm assuming this is a Chinese name, but I don't know the word, so I'm just going to butcher it. Sorry, my people. Um, Yang Liangke's The Day the Sun Died, um, Yukio Mishima's The Frolic of the Beasts, Gina Apostol's Insurrecto, and Michael Ondaatje's Warlight. Uh, yeah. And in adult nonfiction, we have Alexander Chi's How to Write an Autobiographical Novel uh, Essays. It's a collection. Uh, Wesley Yang's The Souls of Yellow Folk. And Sohaila Abdudali's What We Talk About When We Talk About Rape. Um, in mystery thriller, uh, we have Takimaru, Ab- Takimaru Abiko's The Eight Mansion Murders and Suchada Masi's The Widow of Malabar Hill. And in comics and poetry, we have Hartley Lynn's Young Francis, 
Francis? Francis? I think it's Young Francis. Hartley Lynn's Young Francis for comics. And for poetry, we have Jennifer S. Chang's Moon, Letters, Maps, and Poems. So I guess this, this is their list of books you should read. So if you, you're looking for a book to pick up that's been, um, that has some bona fides, um, check out this list. Um, do you know how they come up with these? I, I don't know. I, I'm guessing that their staff kind of like have a meeting mm. and they just kind of like find a common ground for books that they liked. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's good. I mean, there's um, a bunch of books here that I haven't heard of yet. So, you know. Yeah, some of it... them are translated pieces of work. So right. some of them aren't by American authors. Some of them are from overseas and they Got were translated, uh, which is still kind of impressive because translated works... Most of the time, you don't yeah. really hear about them until they win an award. Cool. And there's a Goodreads competition going on right now, too, right? Yeah, a Goodreads Choice Awards. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of Asian authors in, in the polls right now. And that one is like user, it's like, it's a user generated, user Yeah, voted. yeah, you, if you have a yeah. Goodreads account, you, you, you can vote for um, your favorite yeah. books. Um, so you our, just go down and vote for uh, anything. That's, uh, <laughs> anything with don't Asian do author. that. There are some great. Um, there are some great books that aren't by Asian authors. I feel like you should just go with your gut. I feeling. am a team player. I'm <laughs> oh man. Um, and our last piece of news is uh, Jillian Tamaki won the Governor General's Literary Award for Young People's Literature Illustrated Book. Uh, that's a category. Um, for her children's book, They Say Blue, she first won the award back in 2014 with uh, the graphic novel This One Summer, which was written by her cousin, Mariko Tamaki. And um, yeah, like it's kind of a big deal because they both won, uh, Jillian and uh, Mariko, they both won this award twice. And it's really rare for uh, Canadian authors to win this award twice. This is by the way, like a Canadian award they give out to English and French language books that came out in Canada. So Cool. Yeah. yeah. Congrats to them. And if you're wondering why their names sound familiar familiar, they wrote this um they wrote this graphic novel called Skim, which is kind of really lauded in the um Asian American literary community. So you might have seen uh their work um on Twitter and other recommended lists and i guess that'll do it for um the news uh for this episode of books and boba happy november everybody we were you doing nanowrimo this year um it's hard to say like the thing is i don't know if i'm gonna work on one piece of writing for the rest of the month or if i'm just gonna use this um, or if i'm just going to use this month as like try to write every single day and just tally up the number of words that i have i know that's not really what nanowrimo is but <laughs> like for me it's been such a long time since i've written in prose mm. that like and also not even just like prose i feel like i've kind of lost a lot of confidence in my writing so i just really need to doing it. i feel like i just need to like get back on that metaphorical bicycle and just kind of like try to remember how to write in prose and just be okay with making a lot of bad sentences and not beat myself over it too much mm. but i'm not really pressured to write a novel for this month because i just feel like that's too much stress and anxiety for me 
But if you're doing NaNoWriMo and you're planning to write the first draft of uh, your novel, good luck. I'm cheering for you. <laughs> um, there's There have been some great books by Asian American authors who began like writing with NaNoWriMo. I know C.B. Lee started writing um, uh, her first novel and Not Your Sidekick yeah. during Na- NaNoWriMo. So it's possible, you guys, if you just keep at it. and It's just so much writing. Not in the grand scheme of things, it's not. It's fifty thousand words. That's like the (laughs) fifty thousand words is not even like a novel. That's more like a novella nowadays. I Mm. feel like the uh, number of words that you need for like a decently long, like a decent novel is like eighty thousand words. I think that's like the range that uh, uh, publishers are looking well, for. Well, look, everybody, have a great um, time reading. Uh, don't forget our November book club pick is IQ uh, by Joe Ide, um, the first book of the IQ series. Um, and you still have a week to read Dear America by Jose Antonio Vargas, our October book club pick, um, before listening to our discussion next week with, um, along with our friends at This, um, this Filipino American Life podcast. Um, and don't forget to join our Goodreads group. Uh, we always love to have you and have more people discuss books with us, um, especially if you're reading stuff that we're not reading. It'd be cool to hear like what you think about other books yeah. that are, that are that we've been mentioning. Um, yeah, like send us books that, um, like let us know what books you're reading, and if they're by an Asian or Asian American author, just uh, yeah. like slide into our DMs, and we we love to talk to them because yeah. we like talking to authors on this podcast. Um, this podcast is a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, um, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts featuring unique voices and stories from our Asian American communities. Um, check out our other great shows, such as the Collabcast, first of all, the Collas Bruce Saturday School, and more by going to our website at www.podcastpotluck.com. And this podcast was also recorded at the Potluck Podcast Studios, located within the offices of Visual Communications. Uh, Visual Communications, of course, is an organization that supports Asian American um, filmmakers and media artists uh, through their programs such as the Art with Camera Fellowship and the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival, the biggest Asian American film festival in the city of Los Angeles. And yeah, happy November, Rita. I really hate holiday months. (laughs) You're going back to a circle, you know, circling back. To the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> we'll talk to you all next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.